0: Hey everybody, and welcome to Rabbits Ramblings, Podcast 152. The NDA for Elder Scrolls Online has been lifted, so you get to hear my ramblings on that. And I went to see 300 Rise of an Empire, so I talk about that in the second section. And a lot's been going on, so that's all I have for this time. Hopefully you'll enjoy the show. you So just as a quick note, I think I mentioned in the main section I'm about to paste in what the date was, but I played the other Scrolls Online beta quite a while ago. It seems like a couple months, but it probably hasn't been that long. Anyways, there have been a few beta weekends since then. There have always been account issues. For some reason, it doesn't let me in, and it takes like 24 hours to fix it. So I've only gotten to play a few hours since the original recording. There's another beta the weekend that this podcast comes out, so I might be able to get in and look at it some more then. But I don't think any of my main ideas have been changed, because from what I recall, I talked about sort of main core design issues, and none of that stuff would really change in the game. But if it does, and I get a look at it, I will talk about it on next podcast. But what is to follow is what I recorded after my Big weekend where I played quite a bit. I used to be an adventurer like you, and I took an arrow in the knee. I got a chance to play in the Elder Scrolls Online beta weekend, November 22nd to the 24th. Of course, this is beta, and it was, probably by the time it launches, somewhat early beta. So a lot of the stuff I talk about might change or be improved. But this is my thoughts on the beta state for that weekend. You had a choice of a few different classes, basically four of them, which gave you three different talent lines for each class. The disappointing thing was there wasn't any way to preview the talents that you would get, you know, while you're making character creation. It just gave you a general overview of this is what the character's about. I suppose, though, that's not completely terrible. You can see the talents, you know, as soon as you create the character. So if you create the character and then look at the talents and decide they really aren't something you'd be interested in, you could easily just, you know, back out and make a new character. All characters, regardless of the class you choose, have access to the same weapon and armor talents. So if you wanted, you could make a Templar and be weird and wear cloth if you wanted. Or you could wear, you know, leather or, you know, the heavy armor they're supposed to wear. It's all totally up to you. Each of the weapons and armors have their own talent lines. So those are all the same regardless of the class you pick. As example, I recall leather gave you bonuses to evasion as one of its talents. So it doesn't matter which class you picked. You know, if you unlock that talent through medium armor, you would have that on whatever character. So it seems like a pretty cool way to give your specific spin on that class some options, you know, based on what you pick. As example, I picked a Templar, which is basically kind of like a paladin, though it depends on how you build it. I decided to go with Heavy Armor and Dual Wielding Swords, and I took their sort of healing line slash buffing line. So I was basically working up sort of an evasion tank that was, you know, supportive on heals and group buffs. So that's kind of cool. You have that option to do that. But it also, at the same time, seemed kind of odd. Because since every class can have, you know, the same weapon and armor talents, it seemed to only leave a little bit left, you know, to differentiate people from other people. Like, yes, you know, my heals would have been different from, you know, another dual-wielding character, but in terms of damage output, our damage output would, you know, in theory be the exact same, because we're using the same weapon attack talents. You do also have racial talents, but they didn't seem to be all that critical. I mean, they did change things up a little bit, but they didn't seem to have, you know, a really huge impact on the game. You can also get access to guild talents later on. As example, I unlocked the Fighter's Guild and the Mage Guild, and I was just starting to get into those lines, you know, basically when the weekend ended. So I didn't really see too much of that. But again, those are talent lines that anybody can take. The big thing I did notice that would make Elder Scrolls Online unique is that you gain skill for the talent lines by using the particular base item. For example, I mentioned I had dual wielding. So as I dual wielded in combat, that skill would increase. And the higher that increased, the more potential talents I could unlock. So I not only had to have a talent point available, but I had to have enough points in that particular skill line to be able to unlock that talent that I was looking at getting. The odd thing is it didn't look like I had to take a previous talent to unlock a deeper one it wasn't so much a tree as a selection of i think it was something like 8 talents in any one particular line so as example you know you could take the first talent and unlock that one and then it looked like you didn't have to take the next talent you could just sort of skip it and then invest talent points into the third talent each talent did have ranks So you could rank it up, and I think it was at the fifth point it could change the power just a little bit. I only actually had enough time to get one talent far enough, and I think I had the option of two different talents could have morphed. One of them was a single target heal, which could have morphed into affecting multiple targets. Or I think it was adding on an additional heal over time effect, which is what I chose to pick. Because I had a group heal, you know, that did sort of an area effect. So I figured, well, if I already have one that does single target and one that does area effect, why would I change the single target to be area effect? And I I just used the area effect one instead of morphing the single target into multiple. So that again allows you to tweak things a little bit towards whatever your particular style is. But again, you know, if you're talking about a weapon or armor talent that's going to be available to every other player in the game, regardless of class. And if you're talking about class talents, you know, every other person of that class could also, you know, use that same skill. So while there is a lot of options, there also is probably going to be a lot of people taking the same sort of overall template. While this sounds pretty awesome, honestly, it doesn't feel all that interesting when you're actually playing. The talents seem to offer some choice, yes, but in terms of your own personal playstyle, there isn't really a lot of sort of desire to play a different character unless you're gonna play something completely totally different. My personal style pretty much tends to be somewhere between stealth and tanking. So as I said I was working up an evasion tank. And really the only difference between my taking Templar as the base class versus I think it was Shadow, Shadow something, I forget the name. But there were, you know, a few different points in the Shadow character that I would have used. There were a few different talents in the Templar that I would have used. But basically the weapon and armor talents I would have picked would have been the exact same for each class. So I don't know how flexible it is really overall because, you know, there is so many shared options between all characters. I think a lot of people will just kind of pick one template and stick to it regardless of what class they decide to choose. And in terms of, you know, those class options and builds, it feels very similar to how The Secret World and Rift have options in terms of class design, but I would say that Elder Scrolls feels a little bit more limited because it doesn't have quite as many options as those other games. Combat felt extremely similar to Neverwinter, or possibly Guild Wars 2, it seemed like I was basically just spamming, you know, one or two abilities over and over and over and over. If I recall, there were spots for, I think it was seven different options, and then like a quick spot for potions, and then some kind of ultimate spot. I didn't get very high level, I think I got to the sort of mid teens, so I didn't see a lot of options. Game design overall felt very dated because of its linear quest design. It has the very standard, do one quest, go to the next quest kind of chain. And it's all very single player oriented. Yet you've got, you know, 50 people standing around you all doing exactly the same quest. So it has this very odd, I am the chosen one. But hey, look, there's 50 other chosen ones standing around right next to me doing the exact same thing kind of feel to it. While the character building seems kind of cool, the fact that combat is a very spammy thing kind of makes the character options sort of quickly lose appeal. Right off the bat, I had sort of issues with the game in terms of design and content because within seconds of starting the game, the voice actor who plays Dumbledore is basically telling you that you are the chosen one, just like he explained to Harry Potter. And it's like, oh great, I am the chosen one, along with every other player on the server. While this design might work in a regular Elder Schools game, we all expect to be the chosen one, we all expect to start in a prison and break out, it seems really out of place in an MMOG where you know everybody else around you that you see has followed the exact same quest line as you and been told the exact same things by the NPCs. With release plans of requiring a box purchase and a monthly subscription and having microtransactions, I don't see how it's going to gain any appeal compared to -to free-to-play games which are very similar in feel, such as Rift, The Secret World, or Star Wars The Old Republic. The only possible appeal I could see is that it is an Elder Scrolls game compared to, you know, the other IPs. I don't see how somebody who doesn't really care about that would be interested to pay, you know, basically 75 bucks for the first three months compared to, you know, any of those other games, which are, you know, in theory, 100% free to play for three months plus. Plus, if we look just about a year down the road, I would guess we're also looking at EverQuest Next being out, which is also going to be free to play. So that's going to be another huge IP competing, you know, for free. I am predicting that Elder Scrolls Online will lose about 60 to 75% of its subscribers within six months, and it will probably crash pretty hard at that point. If reviews are honest, they will say what I will say, which is, unless you are a hardcore Elder Scrolls fan, I see absolutely no reason to pick this up and recommend that you instead find a free-to-play home and save your money until Elder Scrolls Online goes free-to-play. In my opinion, it just doesn't have enough to offer to justify the costs of a box and monthly fee. Now, if it were free-to-play, you know, I would have a different opinion, but that's my opinion on what's going to happen, you know, if they do keep that box and subscription fee. I would not recommend it. 300 Rise of an Empire is rated R and it's pretty much exclusively for violence and gore. There's a little bit of nudity and a little bit of sex. Some mostly implied and talked about rape scenes not actual rape scenes really. There's one scene that kind of qualifies but it's more like angry sex it's not really rape. But it's mostly just the same kind of graphic comic style in the sense that it has, you know, a lot of violence and gore and it has a lot of that very cool slow-mo comic style fighting that the original 300 had. This is based on a comic by the same writer called Xerxes and the interesting thing about that is that the graphic novel isn't actually released yet. I guess he's written it and they made the film and it's going to release later. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I think the most interesting thing about this movie is it kind of starts, I think it's 10 years before the events of the original 300 movie, and then it sort of quickly goes to running sort of in parallel with the events of what's going on with 300. There's a lot of references to what's going on in the original 300 movie while the events in this movie are happening, and it sort of ends up just a little bit past the events of the previous movie. There are a few returning characters since it is running in parallel for you know a great portion of the movie, but quite a lot of the cast are new characters we are introduced to specifically for this storyline. There are a few very brief scenes which take place in Athens, mostly they're inside, so you can't really tell where it is. There are a few other very short scenes which take place in Sparta, but the majority of the movie takes place. Sort of in the parallel timeline and kind of on the waters because a lot of it has to do with different navies of the Grecian fleet and the Persian fleet. So a lot of it has to do with these cool new naval battles, which they do introduce some new units and they do some cool stuff. You know, I won't spoil anything, but mostly it's on the water and I get motion sick and, and seasick and I didn't. So that was really good. So if you are, you know, prone to motion sickness or seasickness, no worries there. Most of the shots are, you know, far away shots. It's not like, you know, we're on the boat and we're bouncing up and down. It's either far away shots or close-up combat on the boats. And, you know, the scene is fairly stable, as it were. The graphics are really awesome. Like I said, it's a really good adaptation of a graphic novel style. I guess if you want to say anything sort of poo-poo about the movie, the sort of visual style and overall sort of storytelling style is very similar to the first one but that's neither you know a good thing or a bad thing if you like the first one you will also like the second one because it's very similar in style I would say watch it with popcorn it's pretty fun and I would say definitely go see it if you enjoyed the original 300 movie which this sort of runs parallel with and you can see it with friends or not up to you it's mostly action combat there's a little bit of political intrigue not as much as was going on in the first one, because this is a parallel story. So mostly you already know what's going on. But I liked it quite a bit. I saw it in IMAX 3D, which I think is the best way to see 3D. And there's no sort of gimmicky 3D stuff. I mean, you know, a lot of that down slash stop motion style of it, you know, does have the 3D gore. But it's not like you know, splatter in your face or spear through the guy's head at your face kind of stuff. There's only like once or twice there's a, you know, sort of 3D gimmicky pop out kind of move. And it's not like you'd even really notice it. Most of it is in my preferred, what I call realistic 3D style, which just adds depth, you know, where there wouldn't otherwise would be. And that depth does make things look more realistic and kind of cool. But again, if you like the original, I would highly recommend this one. Slightly different news this time. Hearthstone is now out for PC and Mac. The iPad client is still being worked on to come later. And iPhone and Android and all the other devices will come even later than that. It was pretty much soft launched with open beta. But if you have been waiting for the official launch, it is now officially launched. Dark Souls 2 for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 is now out. Apparently the PC version is delayed. I saw an article saying they were tweaking the textures and stuff. I didn't write down the date, so sorry. But PC version has been delayed. Titanfall is now out. I was going to talk about it a little bit. Well, if I had stuff to talk about, depending on how much I played. But there was a weirdness with my order, so it didn't get shipped until later. And then it's not going to show up until Thursday. So I really wouldn't have any time to play it. and. Do any kind of talking about it on this podcast. So I will probably talk about that next time. Infamous Second Son, a PlayStation 4 exclusive, is due out on the 22nd. Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls expansion is due out on March 25th. I think I saw that they're also porting it to the console versions, though I don't know if that's going to release at the same time. I didn't see a date mentioned for the console versions. So I'm not sure if that's going to come out at the same time as the PC version or not. And that's it for the news. So that's it for this week's Rabbit Swamlings podcast. No Pirate's Treasure. There's not much going on with me. Kind of just waiting for various things to come out. Or hoping for betas on things that are still in the works. But nothing really fancy to talk about this time. So I guess that's it for this time. And hopefully I'll see everybody next time. Okay, thanks, bye. So you wonder what your part is because you're homeless and depressed. But home is where the heart is so your real home's in your chest. Everyone's a hero in their own way. Everyone's got villains they must face. And I went to see 300 Ryzenvins I guess he's written it, and they made the film, and it's gonna release. Spartans, what is your profession? You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit slash podcast slash rabbits ramblings dot html when you type rabbits ramblings don't use the space if you would like to send me an email you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. if you like my page you can also post on facebook at rabbit.com. you can follow me on youtube at rabbit D-O-T, com be sure to put the number one in place of i anytime you type rabbit rabbit's rumblings is copyright 2014 and is released under a creative commons attribution share alike license